church. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. And, uh, you know, this, uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful because every year in March, this church gives me a couple of moments that I really, tre- I, I really cherish. I really, really cherish them. It's, uh, and I know all the parents and the, and the uh, married couples understand this. It's our, it's our Pastors and Leaders Conference, and it means two nights with Amanda at the coast minus the kids. And there's no deadlines. There's no kids to go wake up seven times and say, come on, let's go, get ready for school. There's no time limit to get to school. There's no, there's no traffic. We start our day waking up next to each other in, in peace and harmony and quiet. And we start our day walking down to the beach and we start our day walking along the beach and, and feeling the, each other's hand, hand in hand and, and bare feet on the sand. Anyway, um, we, we, we sit down and we watch Pastor Adam and Megan making a foot fool themselves with all the other young people, uh, you know, throwing balls around and just being very active and we just laugh at them. And, and after that, Amanda and I go back and we get dressed and you, and you go and have breakfast and we don't have to make it, right? The breakfast is there and it's just awesome. We had this time where we just, we just get back on the same page. We talk, we reconnect. There's this period that, that, that amongst all the the demands of what happens in life and all the demands of, of busy stuff and, and all the different schedules that go on throughout a year, we have this little moment where, we, where things are back on track. And it's awesome. But we, there's something we've got to guard against. There's always something we've got to look out for. And that is when, let's face it, when, when parents get together and they set out to reconnect and it's, all, and it's just going to be time to value that relationship, you know what they end up talking about most, don't you? The kids. Yeah, exactly right. The one, th- the one thing, one thing, uh, the one thing that parents sh- who are trying to reconnect shouldn't be talking about is what they end up talking about. And I, I just, I just wonder. I've been thinking about how that's how I go with God sometimes. I finally carve out this this couple of minutes to spend with God trying to reconnect with him. And all I managed to do is just give him a list of all the things on my mind. Now, can I immediately qualify that by saying it's okay to pray about things that God puts on your heart? It's, it really is okay. In fact, uh, two weeks' time, we're going to stand here with, uh, t- and, and I think take part in a national day of prayer for the, for the drought. Um, I know that that's been on, on many of your hearts. It's on mine because I'm a country uh, boy. You might have noticed that. Um, so every Wesleyan church in the nation in two weeks' time is going to pray for the drought along with a lot of others. And we're going to believe that God's going to do a miracle. I'm, I'm on that. And can I encourage you, two weeks' time, be here. We're going to stand here together and trust that God's going to do something. Um, we're just going to pray for... I think that healing rain on our land and, 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 that a, and that a new work of the Holy Spirit maybe might come. That's, um, that's really, on, really on my heart. So it's okay to pray about those things, okay? But I've just been really challenged, I think, in recent times to, to pray about the things that Jesus tells us to pray about. And let's, let's face it, if Jesus tells us to do it, it's, pro- it's probably important, right? And I think one of the things that we, we keep noticing as we pray this prayer, that the Lord's Prayer, is it gets us back in sync with what God is trying to, wanting to do through us 
And I think what it, what it does is you'll notice it on the, on, on the title. I think this whole, just the Lord's Prayer thing, is meant to get us to the place where, where it changes me first. It changes me first. Uh, this is Matthew 6. The middle, this is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, let's just read these couple of verses. <laughs> I love it. It's so simple. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The context is, I think, I think is really important. The, Jesus is talking about people who are trying to show off a relationship with God by two things. One is public appearance and one is word count. And I think it's important that we just we start at this point with prayer. You can't fake it. This, there's no point. You can't even fake the right motives that you might have in praying because the, word, the verse before says, your father already knows what you need before you ask. Um, let's, first bit, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Let's just start from, from Psalm 33. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. I get a little shiver down my spine when I read that verse. And I think it's because I realize how unworthy I am. God's, God's up there, but yet he wants to talk to me. He wants to hear from me. But there is a chasm, isn't there? There's a chasm between me and God in, in heaven somewhere. And immediately when I start praying that prayer, what I'm thinking is I've got no right unless somebody bridged that gap for me. And I think and it's important, I think, we, we start... We start at the idea where we recognise the holiness of God. But there's, a, but there's a problem here. There's a question, right? If God's name's already holy, and me praying about it or not praying about it isn't going to change that, and God is unchanging, why does Jesus want me to pray about something that God already is? Because he wants to change me first. That's what he's trying to do. I think, that, I think that what Jesus is saying here is like the fundamental aspect to prayer is about the awe of who we're talking to. Not, not going through the motions, remembering who we're approaching. You notice in the Old Testament when, when Moses finds that burning bush on, on just you know, what seems like Groundhog Day, he just turns up and what happens is he's, he's fixed on the presence of God. He's in the presence of God He's fixed on, his, on God's glory. He probably falls on his knees. His shoes come off and there's nothing else in the world. There's no distractions. There's nothing else going on. And I wonder if we should start prayer that way. I wonder if we should actually start prayer acknowledging God's holiness and sovereignty and glory and honour. But I don't think we can do it with, when we're distracted. 
We can't do it when we're distracted. We've got to find a way to carve out time non-distracted. We also can't do it if we do it out of obligation or if we do it just because, yeah, should be right. Okay, I think, I think John Calvin gets this right. What is more unworthy than for God's glory to be somewhat obscured because of our indifference or ungratefulness? Because if we treat God in that manner, we fail to honour his name. To live a hallowed life is to live and pray with a heart truly set towards God and in a wondrous sense of his majesty. So having read that, let's go back to the context of the passage. Who's Jesus talking about? What, what is Jesus saying about these people that he's talking about? Here's, here's what they're doing. Listen, listen to this. They're talking at God rather than talking to God. So if we approach God with a sense of recognizing who he is and in a sense of holiness, we approach him in a sense of awe, you know what happens? It's never going to be life-draining. It's never going to be another thing to do. It's going to be one of those things that is life-giving. Because let's face it, there's nothing like being in his presence, is there? There's nothing like it. Now, I know that we talked a lot, about, a, lot, a, lot about, a lot there about holiness and approaching God, right? But look at the other side of the coin. There's something profound in there that Jesus wants us to understand about God as our father. The role of a father is a deeply relational term. Uh, a father... A father, in a sense, creates his kids in, in an act of love. He, he protects his kids. He watches over his kids. He provides for the needs of his children. He teaches them. Sometimes he disciplines them when they do the wrong thing or he just wants to get them back on track. But more than anything, a loving father is always ready when his kids run to him for a cuddle. He's always ready when his kids want to talk. I, I know that many of us have grown up with a, with a father who didn't do that. I know many of us have grown up with a, maybe a father who was even worse than that. But the foundation of our prayer life and the foundation, I think, I think of our relationship with God has got to be that we understand that my heavenly father wants I honestly wonder how our lives would be different if we truly understood God as the perfect father. I wonder. There's, there's our challenge, Dad. <laughs> no pressure. There's our challenge. And for, and for the next generation of dads who are here as well, in whatever season of life you're in, regardless of how busy you are, regardless of what you've got on your plate, regardless of what is, is going to come through the door, invest and grow that relationship with your kids. Point out the fact that you're not God. It's okay to do that. You don't have to be perfect. You need to point them to the one who is. 
There's something deep about that word father. And all of us, I just think, long to hear it, don't we? May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Just, you know, just, and just a word of warning, church. Don't pray this prayer if you're, not ready, if you're not prepared for it. This is a dangerous, dangerous prayer to pray. Because we, li- we live in a world where God's kingdom, God's, God's glory, God's values, his will are not necessarily seen as, seen as very important, are they? But it ain't going to stay that way. Our king's coming. Amen? His kingdom is coming. Amen? Okay? So why does Jesus want us to, why does Jesus want us to pray about a kingdom that's going to come, that me praying about it isn't going to change it? It's coming anyway. Why am I praying about it? Because God wants to change me. God wants to... See, we, we can't pray this sense. We can't pray this line in an, in an arbitrary sense. God's will be done. It's, it's all awesome. Okay? What God is trying to do, what, what Jesus is trying to remind us is that regardless of your role, regardless of your job, regardless of what areas of influence you might have, regardless of your plans or families or whatever you set out as important, it's not worth anything in light of his kingdom. And if we, we've got to start seeing our life as a kingdom opportunity. We've got to start seeing the things around us as little pockets of God's kingdom. All those areas that we talk about, our, our workplace, our, our home, our school, our university, and all that sort of thing, the people who we, who we interact with, you might be the only person who they ever have contact with where there is some little pocket of God's kingdom and God's kingdom values that they see in you. And I, think this, I think this prayer is, is about reconnecting with something far, far bigger than us. See, if we're serious about praying this prayer, then all the normal things in, in my day, jumping on a train, going and getting a coffee, doing, doing stuff around the place, all that becomes a kingdom opportunity. Kingdom opportunity. My, my, work, my church is not about me. It's about, my, it's about a kingdom opportunity. It's about being um, kingdom. It's about kingdom building, isn't it? Nathan's already talked about it in the, in the video. We're about kingdom building. Not in what we get, but in what we give and in how we serve, and in how we glorify God, and how we embrace people, and plant seeds, and make disciples. I've got to remember this. The, the alpha invitations in our bulletin next weekend are not bits of paper. They're kingdom opportunities. Something for us to be involved in where God might use us to ex- extend his kingdom. This, this, this prayer is not about me. This is about realigning my vision and my attitude with where God wants it to be. I've got to get my... We've, we've got to, when we pray, we don't download God and, and, say, and say, here's all our needs. He wants to change us. He wants us to get, in, to get back on the same page 
as where he wants us to be and the same direction that he's going. And you know what? This is, this, this is an exciting way to live. When you see life this way, when God actually answers that prayer, life's everything but dull. There's no Groundhog Days when you, when you see everything as a kingdom opportunity. This is, this is exciting. This gives life purpose and motivation. I don't know about you guys. It gives everything I do motivation and purpose. But it keeps us in sync with God, doesn't it? And you might, just, just, just again, that's, that's our heart. That's our heart for this church, the heart for Hill's Dinner. The, all the things in the future is about making this church a place where God's kingdom values are, are more and more evident in everything we do. Give us today the food we need. So we're halfway through this, and we haven't prayed about anything about ourselves yet, have we? But do you notice what's happened? I'm not worried about myself anymore. There's, there's no consideration to what I came to God for with an agenda. I, ha- I haven't given God, I haven't thought about anything to do with what I came to pray about. But I'm back in tune with God. I'm back in sync with where I've got to be. Okay? Start, start, stop praying about the things that are on our heart and all of a sudden God's changed us. And notice this is, this is you know, we're, not, we're not praying here for, for, for prosperity or for long-term goodness or, or, or whatever else. Pray for our daily bread. Pray for what you need today. And I'm not going to say don't pray for abundance. It's okay to pray for abundance. And if God gives you abundance, fantastic. Okay, But so often what God wants you to do is pray about what you need for today. Because he wants to, he wants to keep you reliant. He ain't interested in the bigger picture right now. Well, he's, he's always interested in the bigger picture. But what he wants us to understand is that we can trust him today and then tomorrow we can trust him again and he'll always provide enough. He'll always provide enough. If, um, it's about contentment. I think Matt was saying it before in that video about Father's Day. It's about, it's about contentment. And uh, you know what? Martin Luther has a very interesting take on this. He said that the words, the words um, here, we can easily easy pray this about, about ourselves, give, give me enough. The word says us. Give us. So Martin Luther suggests that we should actually pray this for our society. Pray for our society that God gives them enough as well. You know why? If we start praying that God, um, we start praying this in a, in a collective sense, what happens is that God begins to address the areas of greed or mistreatment or exploitation or, or victimization or whatever, whatever else is going on in the world where people are, are somehow mistreated or, or whatever else. God begins to start addressing those issues and bring some of his kingdom light into that. I was reading the other day that apparently, if it, it, and I doesn't feel like it, right? But we are pretty well off. We are pretty well off. If you have one car in your driveway at home, 
you are in the top 10% in an economic sense across, across the world. If you have two cars in your driveway at home, you're in the top 3 to 4% of the world in a sense of, in a sense of wealth. We've got to, re- to realise again how good we've got it. But that, but that, but that isn't enough to, to, to say we've, we've got it good. This is a prayer. And the prayer is about God, would you make me a good steward of all that you've blessed me with? We've got to start seeing those things as, as I think, kingdom, kingdom opportunities. Forgive us our sins. You know, these, these last two are really, they, they're getting towards what, what is, how does God want us to live out what we say we believe? They're, they're not just praying for God's benefit, or, or they're about our relationships with others. Okay? Did you notice that there's a connection here between what Jesus would do and what he wants us to do? Okay? We're forgiven so we can be forgiving. We're given grace so we can show it. We're given love so we can do it. We're given, what is it, blessed to be a blessing. We're reconciled with God into relationship with God so that we can reconcile others into relationship with God and be agents of reconciliation in in our relationships. Our, our faith's worth nothing if we don't actually do it. We can't, we can't, ex, we can't experience what it is to come to God, to, to, to lay our sin at his feet and understand his forgiveness and then not go and offer it to somebody else. We've got to do what we say we believe. So this prayer is about challenging us to do two things. It's about challenging me to live out what I say I believe with the people around me. It's about asking, God, God is, are there people in my life that I need to show more grace or love to? Are there people I need to forgive? But it also keeps us connected to Jesus. You notice that? If it all comes out of him, if it all comes from relationship with him, that's a really, really healthy place to be. Notice, notice, the, notice, notice it in John, in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nil, nothing. It's all about that connection with Jesus. It's all about what he he would do in order so we can do. Because if we try to do good stuff outside of that, then it's not sustainable. It's never going to make sense. The last one is about lead us into temptation. You know, many of us have grown up in churches over the, over the years where we talk a lot about God's grace. Nothing wrong with that. God's grace is amazing. Okay. But what can, what can easily happen over time is that, is that we just get this whole, we, we get this sense that, oh, it's okay to sin a little bit here and there. It's not, not, not so bad because God loves me. He always forgives me. He always does. I think this. I think this. This prayer is completely different. This complete. This, this, our sin would cost him his life. It cost Jesus everything. 
It cost him everything. And if we're, if we're not connected with Jesus, if we're not in sync with him, if, if we're not on the same page that he is, and even if we are, it's really easy to find ourselves in that place where we compromise, where God's commands are like guidelines rather than, rather, rather than commands. Okay, if, if we're not concerned about the fight that we're in, then everything becomes a little bit optional. Okay, And I think part of praying this prayer, deliver us from evil, is about recognising that we're in a spiritual battle. We're going to be tempted. That's just how it's going to be. So we've actually got to have help with that. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we, we pray this prayer. We're asking God, would you fill us again and help us again and help us to be on guard against the things that are, that are going to come up today and help me to, to hit it head on with your power. Because otherwise, it's not going to, it's not going to work. Now, can I just clarify something about, you know, we've, we've probably got through this whole thing and notice that, the, notice that everything in the Lord's Prayer is about us. If you go back through there, there's, I've underlined some of that stuff there. The, the tendency is to make this a personal prayer, and it, absolutely it can be. But do you know what it is? It's a collective one. It's not something that we just do, it, we just do for ourselves. Um, just, just one example. Guarding against evil is a journey best done together. What's, what's the point of, of praying this prayer for yourself when God's talking about praying us? Lead us not into temptation. And I, I only say that just to, just, just, just to make this point. We can't... We need other Christians in our lives who know the real story, who know the real temptations, who know the real struggles, but they're people who stand in the gap and pray for us that we do not let, get led into temptation. You know what I mean? It's about community. We don't, we don't, we don't meet together out of, out of obligation or, or for whatever. This is, this is us standing in the gap next to the person next to us and understanding their, the real struggles and encouraging each other with this. I'll tell you what, there's a lot to be said about making this church a place where we know each other well enough to pray this prayer on behalf of each other day in, day out. How many, how many Christians do you know that well? And do they know that you're praying for them? I've just discovered in the last week with, this, with these fingers not working that my texting fingers are out, are out of action. But I finally discovered that you can actually send a text message by talking to your phone. If you talk clearly, <laughs> let's just go there, <laughs> Okay. It's easy. It takes five seconds, ten seconds, whatever. Don't talk to it on the train. You'll look, look like an idiot. But it doesn't take much to tell somebody who you know about and care about that they're in your prayers today. Prayer is not only the place where, where, we, where we maintain that connection with God, but God changes us to see the world his way. God changes us to see... To, to keep us reliant on him and to keep us in the kingdom battle that he's got us in. And now look, all, all this is great in theory, right? 
We just finished the sermon. Everything's good in theory. Here's what I really want to show you. I want to show you how to use it. I want to show you how to use it. And this is just my idea about how to use it, so it's not necessarily binding on anybody. It's been four years since I left the police force, and I think it's okay to tell you that it's okay to tell my church I miss it. I'll just be honest. I miss it. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm allowed to show uh, crummy Father's Day photos on <laughs> when I preach. Um, that's, that was my last day. Last day. And the kids are growing up a little bit, haven't they? But you know what? The, the reason I miss it is not because of the car or not because of the gun or any of that sort of stuff. The reason I miss it is, is in a sense of regret. Because I read this passage, I read this passage, and I go back to a scenario where you worked, and I wish that I'd lived it out. I wish that I'd done what I said I would do, what God's word says I should do, and I missed opportunities. You know what I mean? Um, so, so I want to I share what I missed so you can try it. As a, just, just try it. <laughs> okay. Um, so here's the scenario. Three, you're a detective in the valley. 3 a.m. in the morning, phone rings. You never, never want that phone ring to ring at 3, 3 a.m. in the morning if you're in the valley. It usually means a, a major incident. Um, so just, just one, one of those days where you walk into, where you walk into work, there's at about 4 a.m., there's already some very high-ranking people there. The pressure's on. Got to perform. Can't, can't shut down. Got to perform. You've got multiple crime scenes, you've got witness, witnesses, people who need, need interviewing all over the place, statements to be taken, you've got offenders in custody, you've got multiple crime scenes to be processed and secured, you've got problems all over the place, you've got nothing in the way of staff because it's night, you've got to map out what you need as far as resources, you've got to map out what you want to say in this briefing, map out who does what and who goes where and make sure every, every base is covered, Okay. That's, that's what you've got to do. You've just got to function, right? <laughs> you've just got to function. And what, what happens in those days where the, where the pressure is on and there's somebody about four or five ranks above you always chasing you for information because they've got to give it to the news media in 10 minutes or whatever else, you feel under siege. You're overworked and underpaid. You don't know how to... you you just got all this stuff on the go. And... I don't know about you, but I, I, I remember those days quite clearly. And what happens is you get to the end of you get to the to the end of the day about four p.m. You haven't eaten, you haven't drunk anything, you haven't done, you haven't thought about anything else in the world apart from this thing that you've done, and you're wondering where is God? It, in this whole thing, that I, there's this God I know about. Where is He in this? How do I reconnect with him? How do I keep in sync with God? That's how. That's how. What, what I should have done at about 4pm when you're in that place is leave my mobile phone in the top drawer, my wallet in the top drawer, and gone for a walk to one of those places you can't get distracted. There's always one of them in a police station. There's always one of those in an office block or a university somewhere where nobody else can find you. Steal 10 minutes with God. 
and give it to him. We use this prayer, I think, as a guide, not necessarily as in a legalistic sense, but we use it as a guide to help us reconnect with God. And I want to pray this prayer for you, not, 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 for, that, not for that scenario, but I want to pray it for, for us this morning. Could the band come up and we'll... Um, church, let's, let's stand together. We're going to pray this as a prayer. Um, well, I'll, I'll pray it. We're just going to spend um, two or three minutes praying this prayer through. Our Father. God, of all the ways you could reveal yourself, you choose to do it as a Father. God, you choose to, you choose to, even though you're in heaven and I'm on earth and I'm, and I'm in this storm right now, I just thank you that you're a father and you care deeply about the situation that I'm in. You care deeply about the scenario where I'm living and you cared so much about it that you sent Jesus to redeem it. God, I thank you that you are holy. And in this moment, we, we come before you and we acknowledge your holiness, your glory. God it's, a, God, it's a privilege to be in your presence. Your kingdom come. God, would you... We pray that your will would be done. If we are not in the place where you can, better, we can best use us, would you move us? God, we pray that, that this... We surrender ourselves to your will. And we pray that your kingdom would come here at Hills Church as it is in heaven. And we pray for the people today that I'm talking to, the people that I have interaction with in my workplace, in my family, in my, with my friends, in my church. God, that your will would be done and that you'd help me to be part of your kingdom movement. God, give me today my daily bread. Thank you, for, thank you for my job. Thank you for the way that you provide. Thank you, God, that, you, that, you need, that I'm in need of your help and that you promise to sustain me. In this moment where I, where I don't know where else to turn, you give me enough. Thank you that you give me courage and patience and strength to continue because you want to teach me reliance. God, uh, I thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for forgiving our sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Give us the strength, Lord God, and the courage to live out what we say we believe in how we treat people and how I forgive others. And God, lead us not into temptation. I I pray for the fullness of your Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh. God, that sin would have no place in me, that sin would 
would have no place in this church and that we would choose instead to honour you. God, I pray for that friend of mine who I think all of us have in mind right now who maybe is away from you or maybe stuck in sin that you might redeem and bring him or her back. We pray all these things, not for my fame or honour, but for yours, for your kingdom, for your glory, for your honour, with your power.